But a few weeks, a few months ago, uh, I, I did uh, this, um, this, this talk who used this picture, and basically it was very much about learning to do the, the, the running of the race with God with faith and patience so that would, we would inherit the promises of God. That was the, the, the focus on the talk. And it was very much about um, having a vision and as well the perseverance uh, of carrying on in the race knowing that there is a cloud of witnesses who are encouraging us to run and so that we were not alone in the race, that we were always encouraged to run. Uh, and in it, uh, I looked at a little bit about how we can actually manage ourselves in this race. And this is the section that I would like to revisit this today. Okay, so hopefully it will speak to you. Basically, what I'm doing today is a spiritual, it's a spiritual MOT. Do you know what an MOT is? Yeah. Who has a car? Who has a car? Okay, most people have a car. If you don't have a car, an MOT is the annual test you do on your car to make sure that that car is actually safe and roadworthy. Yes? Okay, so that's an MOT. And it's actually something that is required by the Ministry of Transport. So you do it because you have to. Okay? But I don't know you, but sometimes it's really good to treat our heart a little bit like our car. Make sure that we are doing okay. And especially, I don't know you, but when we go, Jimmy, when Jimmy and I are going on to a very long, long, long trip, the first thing we do is to check all the levels of the car. Don't you do that? So we're looking at, uh, have we got enough water? Is there, is there uh, oil enough? Uh, obviously, did we fill up with petrol? Because otherwise, we're not going to go very far without that. You, you get me, yes? So that's a little bit what we are going to do today. Of course, we are not going around perpetually in fear that our cars is not safe. Okay, I'm not waking up every morning going, is it safe? Is it safe? Am I going in my car? Is it safe? No, I'm, I'm not doing that. So in the same way, we don't do that with our hearts. We don't go, oh, no, no, I need to examine myself right now. You know, we're not going like that. But from time to time, it's really good to examine our heart and to see, am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? So it's a little bit what we were going to do today. Now, have you noticed that often when we are tired, Often, when we are hungry, often after a big battle or a big victory, there's a bit of a crashing time that comes. Despair can come after it, or temptation can come after it. Have you ever noticed that? Am I the only one? No? Okay, I'm not the only one. Okay, so basically, it is an interesting thing because... Uh, do you remember the passage in Elijah, chapter 18 and 19? I invite you to write it down and I will, I will read if you want because I can't read it all this morning. But do you remember Elijah in 1 King 18 19? Do you remember Elijah? Well, Elijah just has this amazing face off with all the prophets of Baal. Okay? And they're there, and it's a little bit like there's a drought, 
And it's like, who is going to light the, the altar praying their own gods? And the prophet of Baal, you know, do their things and all kind of stupidities. And obviously, they can't light up the altar. And, and Elijah actually poured water on his altar. Poured a lot of water. And he prays God. And he has a supernatural breakthrough. God comes in power, light at the altar. Uh, the result of it is that 450 prophets of Baal actually came on that day, which it's, it's a point of Israel returning to the real true God. Okay? And then the rain comes. Uh, and that's an amazing victory. I mean, what a day, right? That's, that's something. Now, what happened after is really weird. He gets scared by one woman. He gets completely scared by Jezebel. So he ran, the Bible says he ran for his life. He ran for his life and he sat by a bush and in despair he prays to God and said, God, please kill me right here. Can you imagine that? The prophet having this amazing victory running away. And then he's in despair and, he, and he's there, he's there and literally he's having a pity party. Okay, literally. He goes, I'm no good. Uh, I can't do this anymore. I'm no, I, I'm no better than my ancestor. That's this kind of talk. Yeah. Hmm. Now, what was that all about? What was that all about? If you read on, immediately, if he fell asleep, and an angel woke him up saying, get up and eat. And waiting for him was actually fresh baked bread and a jug of water. So I believe that what happened right there is that he got completely exhausted. Exhausted, so exhausted physically and emotionally that, you know, he kind of like had this moment where he crashed down you know, by this bush, and fell asleep. But the story doesn't stop there, right? Because an angel comes and answers his need by bringing water, by bringing food and substance for, for his whole being, yeah? What is interesting as well in this story is the angel comes two times. So I was thinking, what's going on? Why does the angel come two times? And the second time, it says in verse 7, the angel came back a second time and told him to eat some more, some, a, bit, a bit more because the journey ahead was too much for him. Okay? And it carries on in the story, verse 8, it says, Strengthened by the food, Elijah traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the Mount of God. And here, in that place, he encountered God in an amazing, amazing way. You know, you remember it's that passage to say God was not in the thunder, God was not in the fire, but he was in the whisper. And in the whisper, he basically um, commissioned Elijah again. And he, he, he tells him to anoint new kings and a new prophet. Okay? The second time he comes, you know, it's not the first time, it's not the same that the first time he called the angel. And I do believe that's, that's what God is going to do this morning. You see, firstly, on the first level, 
For some of us, he wants to nourish us and give us rest so that we would recover from whatever battles we have been in. Do you see that? First time he comes, man, you need to recover. Don't think about doing one more thing. You need to recover from the battle you've been in. But second t- the second time he comes, God's doing a different thing there. And I think for some of us, God comes and he wants to strengthen us so that we would be able to walk in our God destiny. Can you see the difference? Yeah? One, we recover. One, we are strengthened for the journey ahead. Completely different purpose. So I believe it's important we look at how we feel because of this reason. So that we will not ignore our needs and keep going in crush. But actually, we will walk with God, always dependent on God. It's interesting as well, in Matthew 4, what's happening with Jesus. So the temptation of Jesus, interestingly speaking, happens after a fast. So Jesus has fasted. Fasted is not the past. Um, And then he's hungry. And in this situation where he's physically a little bit weakened, temptation comes. Because honestly, the devil is not that strong. He's not that strong. So he waits for a moment you're a little bit down or you don't quite believe the right thing. And then he comes. And you see that in Matthew 4. So he goes to Jesus, hey, hey, you're really hungry. You could turn that stone into bread. Yeah? Um, and then he tried to manipulate him to do all sorts of things. To worship him. To, you know, to basically uh, show his power when actually it's no time to do that. So again, it's another thing that God wants to do is really strengthening us so we can resist temptation, that we can be strong and we can keep going in the rest. That, now, the third thing I think God is going to do this, this, um, this morning is then, in the midst of that, give us wisdom on how to manage ourselves. Okay? Because we have a part to play. So he's going to give us wisdom on how to manage ourselves. So let's have a little look at our gauges. You know, in the picture, see here, we have to manage three gauges, okay? Beliefs, body, and emotion. And I'm going to talk a little bit through that. Okay? Now, it's very important that before we start, that we all really aware that we are primarily spiritual being. Yes? Everything, it's, it's not that we have a body and, and we're a little bit spiritual. We are primarily spiritual beings. We are created at the image of God and we are spiritual beings and we are born again from the Spirit. So when we are born again, we then have a new spirit which is after the God, God the Creator. And in us, we have the Spirit of God. And we are called to develop the gift of the Spirit. So this is the foundation for this talk. We are not meant to do any of those by ourselves or in our own strength. We are supposed to do it as spiritual beings walking with God. Yeah? 
Um, there's a very famous uh, French philosopher, Pierre Teilhard Chardin, who says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah. <laughs> See, the difference is very important because we need to be aware that we are on this earth, temporary. Amen. Temporary. Amen. And, but our spirit will live on forever, and then one day we will receive a new body. Mm. And we will live on a new heaven and a new earth. That's the reality in which we are living. Now, however, we are composed of different um, parts, if, if I can say like that. And really, this morning I'm not going to go into the theological debate of tripartite, bipartite, you can study that if you want, but I think everybody will agree this morning, I'm, I'm sure, that we are spiritual beings, but we still have to manage our body, yeah, you agree with that? And everybody has emotions and character traits, all of that, that could be attributed to the soul, yes? We, we will leave it like that this morning. And the main thing is to really understand is that all these entities, they interact. We cannot separate them. Okay, this is very important because, actually, I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to go into that, but through the ages, a lot of heretical position have been made out of the idea of we can separate spirit and body. And this is not, this is not biblical. We can't separate um, we are working all together. Actually, you can see this interaction on when we start to learn to live by the Spirit. When we learning to live by the Spirit and we're receiving joy and peace, so that's by the fruit of the Spirit in our spirit, you could see that change our beliefs, and then you could see it will change our emotions and the way we feel. And actually, doctors are absolutely 100% convinced that it changes your body as well. Yes. So, for example, if you don't believe the truth and you start to be very anxious, um, what happens is you will develop stress, and stress affects your body. You agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can see that there is an interaction uh, in all the aspects of our body. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, for the reason of the fact that we are a spiritual be- belief, I believe that the central gauge. And the thing we need to look after the most is our beliefs. It's what we really, really believe. Okay? So, now who agrees with me that if you are full of faith and hope, and if you put your trust in a good father, you will be able to go through tough circumstances in life? Who have experienced that? Yes? You, yes? Okay. So beliefs, I think, are a great way of measuring how alive you are with God. Because when we are alive in God and we believe the right thing, it does affect all the other part of our life. Yes? I think as well, the belief gauge is the most important for our personal transformation. We cannot change if we do not go after our beliefs. We cannot change. 
the first thing is to actually go after uh, our beliefs. Our beliefs are the thermostat of our life. Mm. It's the thermostat of our life. Mm. Or the compass. You can take that picture as well. Where you're heading, look at your belief. Mm. Yeah, the thermostat and the compass of our life. For example, if you believe that you are a son and a daughter of the mighty God, you will be able to dream big. Very big. Not because of who you are, because of who he is. You, you will think, yeah, I've got a good father. He's got this. For this dream, I need a lot of resources. He's got this. You get what I'm saying? Yeah? So, it's really the thermostat of your life. Okay? It will change. It will change your attitude and what you want to do and what you can do if you set your thermostat, you know, on God. Amen. Completely. And I believe that's why being connected to the source of life and having the right identity in God is the most important foundation of our life. The most important foundation of our life. Whatever your circumstances right now, God's heart for you is the prosperity of our soul. Amen. It's for you to expand, to be well, to be well in your body, to be well in your soul, to bring you enough resources for you and your children that you can be a blessing to your community, to others, and to the gospel. Mm. Yeah. Now, does it mean we don't go through troubles? No. They will be troubles. They will be troubles. The Bible says they will be troubles. Okay? But the difference is, when trouble comes, we focus on those bright beliefs even more, like an anchor of our souls. So the storm is there, but we say, no, 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 I've got my God. Get it now. That's not going to move. Mm. My God is always good. He is my Father. I believe this. Mm. So when trouble comes, I am not rocked from side to side because I'm anchored in the truth. And I don't let disappointment and I don't let despair grip in my heart. Because I'm, I'm, I'm anchoring myself in the right beliefs. So, when trouble comes, we look at the promises of God. Promises like, for example, Proverbs um, 3, verse 5 and 6. You can read it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Okay? That's a promise. He will make your path straight. Your part is trusting Him. Look at your beliefs. Anchor your soul in the right place. You can see that's an effect. Belief, soul. Belief, emotion. Straight away, there's a link. Okay. When real trouble comes, we can say the words that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8. And God knows Paul went through trouble. Yes? She prayed, you know, not being very well, being persecuted, having to flee. I mean, the list is long, yeah? He can say... We, he can say, sorry, we are pressed on all sides, but not crushed. We are perplexed, so we don't understand, 
but not in despair. You can say he, he reacts, he, he, he acknowledges, he acknowledges it's tough. Hmm. He's, he's not denying, he's not in denial. He say, yeah, yeah, it's tough. I am pressed and I'm perplexed, but I'm not crushed and I'm not in despair. Hmm. It's a very big difference, isn't it? Wow. So our right beliefs will lead to the transformation of our life. It will affect your emotion. It will set us on the right path. And, you know, there is this famous saying, I'm not going to go too much into that because we, we often preach in, on this, that, you know, all the areas where we don't have any hope, that means we, don't, we actually believe lies. Yes? So we go after the lies and we try to put all the right beliefs in our, in our heart. Mm. Frankly, in life, if we are completely honest, it's very, 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 very easy to be gripped by fear. Very, very easy. I mean, my personal uh, uh, testimony is as soon as I got children, oh my gosh, my level of fear went through the roof. I mean, I was not especially fearful. I never had a pro problem with, uh, uh, you know, fear in, uh, in science. As soon as I got children, oh, what if, what if? Yes, we, we have to acknowledge it. it. It is true. As soon as they are in school, uh, in certain environments, uh, in certain pressure, you feel for them, right? So, we've got to learn to discern and always come back to the anchor of our souls and connect with God. When we are gripped with fear, we're not having it, we just come back to the one we believe. We just go back to the source, re reconnect. Only then, when we reconnect, that we are reminded of who He is. Only when we reconnect, we reconnect He tells us who we are. Yes? And actually, we can go on from that right belief of knowing who he is and who we are. Mm. Whether we get our breakthrough or not. Mm. It is very important you hear that. Some breakthroughs are immediate. Some breakthroughs take years. Some breakthroughs you will never have. Although you can contend for having them. It's a mystery. But this is the reality of life. And Whatever the situation, whether you're having your breakthrough or not having your breakthrough, however, if you connect with God, the promise is for you. That He is with you. He is with you. Okay? I love this verse, and I was struck by something when I read it again freshly this week. I read Isaiah 40, verse 31, and it says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And you know, they will never grow, grow weary. They will soar like eagle. Do you remember that verse? Now, those who wait upon the Lord, this is not a passive wait. Sometimes we, we, we go like this. I'm waiting on the Lord. Come on, Lord. Do something. Yes? This doesn't mean that. Actually, some other translation of the, of the verse says, those who hope on the Lord. And another translation says, those who trust in the Lord. So what I'm believing here is that the promise of soaring like an eagle, the promise of not growing weary, 
The promise of not losing heart is when I decide to believe God and I'm positioning myself to align myself with what He is believing for me. Can you see that? So I'm waiting on the Lord, but it's a it's it's a positive aid, a pos- positive wait. Yes, it's not a passive. No, I'm partnering with Him. I'm at, I'm waiting. In a sense, I'm waiting. That means I'm depending on Him. Yes. Can you see that? Now, even in this verse, we can immediately see how our beliefs affect our soul and our body. I will not grow weary. I will not be faint-hearted. Can you see the connection straight away? And it's, it's really interesting because if we look now at the gauge of the body, the, in the third letter of John, um, John says, I pray you will be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So we know that, and this is a little check, you know, if you physically unwell, it will affect your emotion. So that's why we pray for healing. And that's why we try to be in good health, because that affects everything. Like in the story of Elijah, when we are tired, when we are physically unwell, we could actually be left with despair. Because we are weary in that. And even when you have an amazing faith, you have to sometimes check your emotions. Because you will see, I mean, I know some people in this room who struggle with long-term struggle, yeah, in their body. Okay? And so... They have to be realistic and say, yeah, today I feel quite bad. That's because I'm not well. Yeah? And that's why we go after healing, but that's why we need as well to be managing our body very well. And it's important to look after our body very well. Do you know the Bible says that our body are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Yeah? So the question is, are we looking after our temples well? You know, if we have self-control, if we're not getting drunk, drunk, or if we're not taking drugs, or if we try to eat well, that's because we want to glorify God in our body. But listen, a lot of people think, oh yes, it's because we need to keep this temple very pure and not sin. Yeah? I agree with that, by the way. But I would say there's another dimension with it. Is if you do not do it, you won't be able to run the long race. That's right. And if you want to glory God with your body, you need stamina and you need to be well. Yeah. Yes? So it's not just for sanctification. It's as well that we would represent our glorious God. That we are looking after our body. So if I took the, the picture really quickly... And you know all of that, so I'm not going to, you know, in our body, uh, we want to, we want to make sure we drink well, we eat, we are healthy, we exercise, we sleep, and we have some rest. This is very important. 
How many knows that if you watch TV all night, you won't be able to work very well on Monday? Yeah, yeah, it's obvious, isn't it? If you eat poorly, your immune system will go down. That's just fact. Uh, if you uh, don't exercise enough, you will lack stamina, and it will affect you as well. And it's very important to take responsibility in the midst of that, because I cannot blame the enemy for something I've done to myself. Amen. I can't. You know, if I start to eat badly, if I start to not sleep, I will go down. And I can't blame the enemy. I have to take responsibility for that. I'm not saying the enemy doesn't attack, okay? You, you hear what I'm saying. You, but we have to have a balanced view of all these things. For example, personally, a funny example this year, you know, my, my two girls now are in secondary school. So I'm not doing any uh, school run, primary school school run. And I used to pack a walk. My way to school, really fast. So it would be one in the morning, one coming back. So overall, I'd be like walking, basically walking very, very fast for at least 30 minutes a day. And I realized this year that has gone. And suddenly I'm thinking, it's true, I haven't got as much energy. What is that? And it took me time to click, oh, you're not walking as much every day. You're not exercising or Frankly, I was starting to feel it, and my clothes started to feel it a bit. <laughs> I'm thinking, this is not right, girl. So, um, so basically, what you have to do, you don't, there's no condemnation. You say, oh man, how can I feed more exercise now? Because my lifestyle has changed, and I need to rethink how I'm going to put exercise in, in, this, in the week. It's a very simple exercise, but, uh, it's a simple thing, but I felt it. Okay? So in this area, just be kind to yourself, okay? But identify the problem. And if you need help, by, by all means, ask professional help if you need help. Okay? If it's a, a real physical thing that you have and you need medicine, no shame. Go, go get help. Okay? If there is an element of depression, go get help. Okay? And we can pray as well. We do both. We pray, we ask professional uh, help if we need some. But take step towards solution that would help you. And in it, look at God to come and supernaturally transform your mind and give you the, the will to do things. Okay? Don't knuckle it. Goes, God, ah. I'm not well, it's true. I, I hate exercise, God. Please help me. You know, help me to do something healthy. You know, if you don't have a lot of willpower for food, again, baby step. And then you say, God, help me. Help me. Give me desire that I have healthy. Okay? Right. So, and actually, self control is a fruit of the. You got it. Okay, very important that we always. Um, do that with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the gauge of emotions, okay? Uh, emotion, you know that's a difficult one because I think most of us would rather hide our emotions. That's, that's the truth. Uh, and we think that when we show emotion, that makes us look very vulnerable. Is it true? Yeah. And certainly in the UK, I found out it's really not okay for man to show emotions. Yes? So you've got to go out of that a little bit and you know, say, no, actually, I'm going to be authentic, okay, and 
It's more important than healthy and authentic than anything else. But we all have different character traits and we all have different needs. Uh, and actually the reality is when your needs are not met, you feel bad. That's a reality as well. Uh, in Proverbs 13, verse 12, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So it's there in the Bible. When we are hope had met, you know, we, we, we flourish. And when our hope and desire are not fulfilled, it makes our heart ache. So again, we are not denying we are not denying needs. Needs are normal, okay? So um, it, there was a long, long, for a long, long time in the Christian world. I mean, certainly the one I, I was brought up in, you know, might not be yours, but there was a, such a thing of like denial. It was like nothing of me, everything for Jesus. Have you ever heard that? Oh, I must, re- I must diminish, so you must increase. Have you heard those things? But actually, they're never quoted in the context of the, the actual chapter. Uh, and then, basically, it, it comes to a point like almost this kind of idea that oh, we have to deny ourselves and what we need, and everything is about Jesus. It sounds so spiritual, isn't it? Especially if I go, Jesus. <laughs> but, but isn't it true? There are certain circles like that. Actually, I don't believe it's biblical. What is biblical is that when Jesus comes into our life, is He wants to fulfill us. He wants to give us life to the full. The only thing is an order of priority. It's Jesus first. And when you seek first the kingdom, everything is given. So what is biblical is more of Jesus. That's biblical. Let's go for more Jesus first. But actually, in the process of doing more of Jesus, He comes and satisfies us and satisfies our desire. We are children. You want your children to have good things to you? Yes. He wants us to have glorious life because we're supposed to reflect His glory. Can you see? So, we're not going to go into denying our needs. Okay? All of us have needs like, um, you know, belonging from somewhere, having friendship, having companionship, having fun, being empowered, um, you know, feel, feel a sense of fulfillment through works. All of that is legitimate, you know, dream and needs. So what we do in this area is we start to recognize what we feel. And we try to understand why we feel the way we feel. That's what you need to do. So sometimes you feel really bad. And actually, it's just be that maybe you're lonely. And that's what is pinching your heart. And you have to come to Jesus and say, Ah, I've got this need, God. And I'm putting you first. But I'm trusting you for this need. Yeah? So when you feel downhearted or it's not quite working in your life, and it's not obvious what's going on. You go to the Holy Spirit and you say, Holy Spirit, show me what's going on. Show me what's going on. And He will show you. He will show you, ah, you feel like that because this is what's going on in your heart. And then, meet with Him and ask Him to come and fulfill your desire. And what you do next is you get proactive. 
So for example, if I take an example about me, uh, it's not about, all about me, but this one is about me. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a relater. So in my character trait, I need to walk life with a couple of people very deeply who know me, who know my opinions, who will share deeply with me, who know everything about I, I, I want to go deep. That's how I am. So I make time for that to happen. Because I know that very, very soon, if this is not hap- happening, I would feel lonely. And I would lose heart. Even when I have the, the best life, the best faith, I would say, oh, I would feel a little bit like, oh, what's going on? I'm not really enjoying this week. And actually, suddenly I realize, oh, I haven't had those connections that I need. So I make space for it. Another thing of my character trait is I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an achiever. I just love taking those lists, right? I just love getting things done. And I love the sensation of finishing a big project. And I say, oh, I've done it. You know, that's me. I can't change it. So what I do is whatever I do in my life, even the boring thing, even the house thing that I hate, even the, all the other things that I'm not so keen on, I make sure I build rewarding thing in sense of achievement in everything. Okay? So you would look at, oh, I'm turning the house, but today I will sort out this tick. So I'm creating achievement in things that I do because I know I need it as a person. And for you, it would be a different thing. You have to start to know who you are and what you need in your soul and come to Jesus and say, give me strategy, give me strategy. How can I feel better in this area? Does it make sense? Okay. Right. So, I would like to finish by a couple of reflections. Uh, oops. That's fine. Um, whatever our past, whatever our circumstances, we need to remember that we are spiritual beings. And we are learning to live by the Spirit in the midst of these circumstances, whatever our past. It's really important. The second thing as well is, actually, in it, we are not victim. There's the power of God who set us free, who heal us from our past and set us free. And we are not victim and He will give us the strategy that we need to keep going. Do you believe that? Now, sometimes it's extra tough. Or sometimes we get stuck. That happens. I honestly believe that we were meant to work things out in a community. In a community of believers. Do you know that in the New Testament, there's 59, 59 verses about one anothering. So it says, love each other, support each other, you know, correct one another, build each other's up, encourage each other. There's 59 verses of how to do one another in thing. So when we don't feel so well, we need to be in a community of believers that can help us to work things through. And obviously it's not just the leaders. Not at all. It's the body of Christ taking care of each other. 
and looking after each other. So, I would like to finish by asking you a couple of questions. And maybe we're going to make you stand, just so you could reflect a little bit at the same time I'm reading the question. I'm going to make you stand, just so you can close your eyes. And just, I'm going to have a couple of reflecting questions. It would be great if you go home with those questions. Okay. In your life, and I'm, I'm asking this question to myself as well. In my life, who is holding me to a higher standard in my belief and the way I live my life? Who is holding me to a higher standard? How often am I getting a honest and real feedback? How often am I getting an honest feedback on how I am doing? And frankly, am I inviting feedback? Because I don't believe honest feedback is given when it's not sought after in the first place. So am I willing to receive feedback? And how good I am to receive it back? It's a really interesting question. If I want to be transformed in all these areas. Another thing is, who are my friends? Who are the ones that can speak truth into my life and we're not going to fall apart? Our friendship's going to still be strong. But it can say tough thing to me. Who are my friends who can say, hey, I think... You better do that. It would really help you. And finally, who are your mentors? Who are my mentors? Who are the ones who can inspire you? Who are the ones who can teach you? Who are the, the ones who can set an example for you? And it could be different people. It could be that you notice someone is excellent um, at living healthily, and you want to learn that. Can they mentor you in that? You can notice somebody is excellent at having faith for resources. How can I catch that? Yeah. yeah, Father God, we come to you. We come to you. Thank you that you are the Lord of Lords. Thank you that glory in your honor is given to you. And Jesus, we trust you with our life. We trust you for wisdom on how to manage ourselves. We trust you that you have everything prepared in front of us, a table to nourish us, to give us rest, so that we would recover, but as well we would be strengthened to go the extra mile. Thank you, Jesus, that you provide everything in advance for us. In the name of Jesus.